Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. If you are a homeschool mama challenged by doubt, not sure if you can do this homeschool thing. If you are a homeschool mama challenged by overwhelm, there are just too many things to do. Or if you are a homeschool mama looking for connection and encouragement, then this is the podcast for you. I'm Teresa Wiedrich from CapturingTheCharmedLife.com, and I'm here to encourage you in your homeschool journey. So let's turn our homeschool challenges into our homeschool charms. This is a special message to all you homeschool mama self-care podcast regular listeners. Woohoo! We're celebrating the 50th podcast episode. I cannot even believe I am almost at 50. And by the end of the season, there will be 52 episodes. It has been a fantastic year of being able to connect with community beyond my backyard, because as you all know, we've been in our backyards a lot this last year. And I have met incredible people around North America, really. United States, Canada, all over the place. This has been a phenomenal year to connect with other homeschool mama mentors and encouragers and people that really can help us to nurture the nurturer. So I ask you if you've been listening to this podcast on the regular, if you would encourage me and throw a review up on, I don't know where you listen to this, Spotify, Apple, all the other places, would you add a review And this really just equips other homeschool moms to also know that I exist and that this community is for everyone to be encouraged and nurtured and to learn about nurturing the nurturer. So if you would do that, it would mean so very much to me. And when you do that, I am going to share your reviews on this podcast. By the end of June, I will have concluded my first season of the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast, and I'm excited to share with you that I am going to have an interview with my husband, a homeschool dad, who is going to share all about his perspective on what it's like to be a homeschool dad in honor of Father's Day, of course. And I'm going to be sharing an interview with my just about to graduate homeschool daughter, Madeline. I am so excited to share that interview with you as well. Give you a little snapshot into the life of one homeschooled kid. So in honor of that 50th podcast episode, I ask if you would encourage me and add a review to the place where you most likely listen to these podcasts. And thanks for joining me for the last 50 podcast episodes. Okay, in honor of this 50th episode, I am so excited to introduce you to Kara Anderson from the Homeschool Sister Podcast. Let's get started. Today, I get to introduce you to Kara S. Anderson. Kara is a writer, podcaster, and speaker who loves to encourage parents in connection, not perfection. In 2013, she began blogging at karasanderson.com. There she shares real-life encouragement from the trenches. Along with Kate Curley, Kara started the Homeschool Sisters podcast in 2017. And since that time, the show has reached more than 1.3 million downloads around the world. Kara's book, More Than Enough, Grow Your Confidence, Banish Burnout, and Love Your Homeschool Life, will be available in paperback in spring 2021. Kara lives in Illinois with her husband and two awesome homeschooled kids. She enjoys yoga, tea, chocolate, cats, and books. Welcome, Kara. Such a pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here and talk to you. You know, yesterday's Instagram post, when you had written something about, you know, you're a homeschool mom when, and you were talking about going out to appointments, you had an eraser. You got, you got to tell me what that means. Does that mean you found a racer like in the car or what was going on? Okay. So that was the thing. It was one of those things where I'm heading out the door and I'm, I, I go to leave. And then I'm like, I just posted that. That doesn't make sense to anyone but me, because what happened was as I was walking out the door, I literally found um, an eraser in my pocket. Of course <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why do I have an eraser in my pocket right now? Like, but it, I mean, it makes sense. It's my favorite sweater. So I probably just so at some point when I was tidying, you know, picked it up and put it in there, but it was just like, okay, I'm on the way to finally do like a, 
thing outside of the house and of course I have to bring an eraser with me <laughs> well of course you do yeah and as a homesteader as well I've got all sorts of different things in my pockets in fact you don't want to look at my feet at any given point once a week they are clean <laughs> for sure <laughs> I was so pleased to read yeah. um, an advanced copy of your book that was so much fun I really enjoyed listening to your conversation about Waldorf and how you got started in homeschooling. For everybody that doesn't know you, will you share a little bit about your homeschool world, your homeschool story? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we are accidental homeschoolers. I did not plan to homeschool my kids. Um, my son, actually, when he was three, went to like a cute little church preschool. It was a great you know, situation, just not for him. <laughs> um, he would get in trouble because he wouldn't sit on the line during story time. They had this like masking tape circle and everybody was supposed to sit there. And, you know, I would get like held after class and the teacher would say, Mrs. Anderson, which was so funny to me because I was like 30 and I still felt like a kid, you know, and she was calling me Mrs. Anderson and she said, you know, Owen just won't sit on the line during story time. And so on the way home, I was asking him, you know, buddy, why won't you sit on the line during story time? And he said, well, because there's this really cool McDonald's play set. You know, I mean, he just, he wanted to be up and moving around and playing while he was learning. And I thought, huh, you know, when we're at home, if I'm reading a book, sometimes he's cuddled up in my lap. Sometimes he's right next to me. Sometimes he's playing on the floor with blocks. Sometimes he's moving, you know, but later on, we'll talk about the book and he totally gets it. You know, he, he's, he's hearing it. It's just, he kind of was one of those precocious kids that needed to just be able to move while he was learning. Well, he's so four. Thought, well, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I thought, well, you know, why don't we try homeschooling and just see, you know, I mean, he's four. I thought, how, how much can you mess up when, uh, you know, when it's, when they're four, <laughs> how far behind could he possibly be, you know, entering kindergarten? So I thought, we'll try it. And we did. And yeah. And it stuck, it stuck for, um, he's 17 now and he just started college classes this year. So yeah, uh, I guess we've made it pretty much the whole way <laughs> you did it yeah. I love <laughs> yeah. Waldorf it was so I actually have a Waldorf school in our in our town and so I'm very familiar with the okay. lifestyle and it sounds very charming but um the whole discussion about no tv and that you surprised your husband <laughs> that there was no tv it magically disappeared and that was yeah between you and him yeah yeah um what I don't say in the book, well, I think I mentioned it somewhere, is that he works in television. Like, it's literally oh, his okay. job <laughs> to make sure that the news airs, you know, um, throughout. So, clearly, this is going to create an issue, right? But I just thought um, everything I'd read was so against TV. And I thought, if I'm going to do this right, we have to get rid of this TV. And so... Um, we ended up, we put one in his office, but it was like shut off from the rest of everything. And so things worked out eventually, but in a broader sense, what that really showed me was that, you know, you, you hear about these, um, you know, like you said, it's a lifestyle, you know, you hear about these ideas and um, different curriculum and different methodology and everything else. And then like, I didn't stop to consider that this methodology existed before there was TV. <laughs> so right. of course, you know, it was based on not having television. So yeah. It, it, um, but that, that taught me a really valuable lesson, which is just that, you know, you're going to, um, you know, have these things come up as you're learning your way in homeschooling and you have to decide what makes sense for your family and what doesn't make sense for your family. Well, I appreciated that entire conversation because uh, for a long time, I did like you, I, I dabbled in all the different 
um, methodologies for homeschooling. And I stayed with Susan Weisbauer for three years when my little kids were, uh, you know, they were very young. And so a six-year-old writing a three-page narration on everything she read or she'd heard me read for history for an hour before, that's wildly unrealistic for even my very academic child. And though I've gleaned many ideas from those books, and I actually go back to that book, um, Well-Trained Mind, it's called, to actually put it into practice, I did that. And I was a purist for a while. And then I switched and I did Charlotte Mason. And then I switched and then I did unschooling for six months. And then I switched and, and gradually came to realize that the three components of a really solid education is not a methodology. It's about what I think is important as an education, what my husband thinks is important as an education, and most importantly, my child and who they are and what they're about, how they learn, what they want to learn. And so then I, just like you, I took little pieces of all these different methodologies and then I just said, let's do this. And really I'm following them and I've got four kids. So I follow each of them very differently. So I really appreciated your discussion on that because it's, it's a lot for homeschool parents to take on. You have to be this and you have to purely do this thing. And this is the only way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really beautiful how you put it. I really, I love that because it is, um, it's such a gift that we get to, you know, give our kids this individualized education and look at the child in front of us and think, what do you need? How are you going to drive? Like, what is the best way you could learn this? How are you going to, you know, grow up enjoying to learn so that you can go on and continue wanting to learn as you're older? And um, so it's, you know, homeschooling is hard work. so it's really important that we hold on to those things that make it like so great. And this is one of the things that make it so great is that we can do that. But um, you said like, and then I switched and then I switched. And I was thinking like, that should be like, we should write a book called, and then I switched a homeschoolers guide, like, you know, to like the early years, because that's what it's about, you know, is like finding yourself and realizing that, um, you see these beautiful pictures of people doing things different ways on Instagram or Pinterest or whatever. And that's great. And that's great. And that works for them, but you don't have to do that. And you don't have to feel bad about not doing that. And we're all so different and all of our families are so different. So we should really embrace that instead of trying to like cram ourselves into this little tiny box where nobody's happy and you took away the TV and (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I often think that we should be focusing our homeschools toward happiness. And yet, the reality is that is really not always going to be the case. But you just finished saying um, that there's a hard part of homeschooling. What is the hard part of homeschooling for you? Oh, um, I think the worry, um, the, I call it like the elephant on my chest that wakes me up at night, you know, that tells you like, what if they don't, you know you can't figure out how to teach them this or what if we can't figure out a way to handle this problem or how are we going to do this way in the future and you know it's it's funny you like when we first were like yeah we're homeschooling we had people that were like well what about prom you know what about like like you know um high school sports and it's like they're four and one like let's (laughs) give them a little time like you know can we just take a minute please before we start worrying about all these things like way far off in the distance but um you do worry you know and you um I think as homeschool parents we feel like we have the weight of our kids education on our shoulders and like that's not something that we can mess up so it's a lot to carry around um and the worry can completely take over if you let it um and then when we start adding things like what we just talked about, like guilt on top of that of like, Oh, and then on top of it, you know, um, we're supposed to be, you know, she's supposed to be writing a three page essay and you know, she's six and like her maybe (laughs) fine motor skills aren't at that point of being able to write yet, but like her brain is going a million miles an hour. And so she's getting frustrated. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, (laughs) we don't want to add any more stress or anxiety. Um, Yeah you know, then already sort of naturally comes with the idea that we just want to give our kids what they need to succeed in whatever it is that they want to do next. Right. So how do you handle that? Or how do you tackle those feelings, that uncertainty, or that worry, or like you said, that 
that elephant on your chest. You said elephant, right? Yes. Yeah. And I get (laughs) that. I kind of wonder if some part of it, I don't think you're probably as old as me, but there's some part of it that is a perimenopausal middle of the night waking that's associated with a little existential crisis every night just for fun and throw in an entire pandemic and fun. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I think one of the big things is like when you start to worry about all that outside stuff and what's next and what are the other people doing, if you can like bring yourself back to just looking at your kids and seeing, um, you know, that they're just good, kind funny people and they're really learning stuff all the time like it might not be something that you can check off um you know as that was absolutely language arts that was absolutely this period of history you know um but they are they're learning all the time and so um sometimes I take social media breaks when Uh it feels like oh I'm really getting stuck in a lot of comparing um sometimes I will like I've, I've been really into journaling lately. So yeah. I'll just sort of like write things out. Like, what am I stressed about? Okay. And then yeah. realistically, is this, is this a real problem or is this something that like you said would be better in like two weeks, wink, wink, you know, <laughs> is this my own body <laughs> turning against me right now? My own hormones turning against me and telling me like, you have to figure it out right this minute. And yeah. then really, no, you just needed to like eat some chocolate and and yeah. give it a minute and yeah it's not quite so scary anymore yeah it can be challenging yeah. we're all just yeah we're all just humans we're all just like you know <laughs> um yeah and it it our own um minds can really like take us off in, in bad directions sometimes if we don't kind of rein it back in so I listen to a lot of Caroline Leaf do you are you familiar with her mm-hmm. No, she is a neuropsychologist and she's done a whole lot of research on how the brain is actually malleable and you actually can create different thoughts or frameworks of thinking around different, um, you know, the internal challenges that we feel we're all unique. So we all come, uh, we all come up with, I don't know, natural tendencies or pensions for different things. If you have a sibling, like I have a couple, we experience life very differently in our homes. And even though maybe we could say, yeah, mom likes these things, or she thinks about life this way, your experience of her was very different. And, um, and I've seen this also, obviously, with intimate relationships, like having a partner or a really good friend, they don't always see things the same way. So I, I've learned that from her, that you can, Caroline Leaf, that you can actually learn to frame things differently. You can practice thinking differently. And it is a huge practice. It's a huge effort. But when you do that, you discover that actually you don't necessarily always get caught in those thought patterns if you practice thinking outside of the way that you've always practiced thinking. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I just wrote that down. Caroline Leaf. I'm going to look into her work. Um, you yeah. said you listened. Is it a podcast or is it? Oh, it's, I'm a huge audiobook? podcaster. Yeah. I okay. love listening. Yeah. I love listening to podcasts. It has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed this whole podcasting thing. And no surprise, if I don't have earbuds in my ears, I love talking to podcast guests. So it's been a lot of fun. But yeah, I listened yeah, to her yeah. on podcasts, but she also has a book that's recently come out about changing your brain, Caroline Leaf. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we all have these different experiences um, of homeschooling, like you're, you're speaking to the experience of what it's like to try to be a person or a, that does something outside of the mainstream and how not to get caught up in what other people think about what you're doing and you referred in your book to being pioneers and really being in the pioneer phase of homeschooling will you tell us a little bit more about that I bet people already know and it's not because they're constantly reading Little House <laughs> <on the Prairie. laughs> well yeah I um I think of us more like the early settlers like we had the pioneers who were the ones who kind of started out like almost on the sly homeschooling quietly homeschooling um I've heard, um, you know, people who are now second generation homeschoolers talk about their childhoods and they were like, we weren't able to play outside until three o'clock because our parents didn't want the neighbors to know. And, um, you know, they, they were like, they had to order stuff from like these black and white catalogs, you know, there was like four curriculum options, you know, just 
um, a totally different kind of situation. Um, but then we're kind of like the early settlers. Like we're, you know, um, we have some somebody to draw from who has some experience. And so we can listen to what it was like for them. Um, and we don't have to figure out like, okay, corn is going to grow. Okay, good. Like, <laughs> you know, we know some of these things to draw from, but um, we, we need still, there's still a lot we need to figure out. And then of course it's totally different for us now because there's a million resources and there's Amazon and you can literally have a panic about something and have a new book come two days later. So it feels like, oh, I can just fix everything. Right. Um, and, you know, we can get completely overwhelmed by curriculum options and yeah. feel like I want to do six different history programs. Like, why can't <laughs> I do all six, you know? And I wait, I only get like, you know, 13, 14 years to do this. That's not fair. Like, I just figure I, I can have more kids. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> if I, yeah, I always think like if I could, if I could have like, you know, 15 more kids, like <laughs> I would be able to figure this out. I would find yeah. the perfect curriculum, but that is not going to happen. So yeah, yeah it's um, <laughs> an interesting way to uh, like, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we have a lot to draw from and there's good things and bad things yeah. about where we are right now. And it's going to be interesting to see like if this generation, the kids we're raising, if they, um, you know, what they do with homeschooling, because yeah. I feel like it's just, it's becoming more mainstream and then especially with the pandemic a lot of people were introduced to sort of the idea of homeschooling really more the idea of you know um covid schooling or pandemic schooling because really it was so much different especially if they were expected to follow um you know a school curriculum they didn't have that freedom that we have to say okay this book is not working we're gonna try something else whole different thing yeah it really is yeah, it's been a very different experience this year. Um, I've followed you the entire year and I'm listening to how you're um, engaging your homeschool. And I remember this discussion on strewing the second last podcast mm-hmm. episode you had and then which is very much of an unschooling concept to throw stuff around and hope your kids are interested. And if they're not, you have to back off and let it go. <laughs> I love that description of it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and then your very last one, though, you were talking about things. Was it things that you don't do? Yes. Yeah. We do have an episode specifically devoted to things that, that we don't do because um, you I, I have a talk about this that's going to go live on my website in probably a week or so um, that I call homeschooling essentialism. Mm-hmm. And it's all about that. Um, you know, we we do we have this vast like huge amount of stuff it's it's amazing there's people like you know in their homes doing this with their kids and then creating ideas and sharing them with the world and I mean we just have so much to choose from and it's yeah it's wonderful but what happens is like we can get so easily overwhelmed and then we can feel like we're constantly sort of like running in different directions and everything and so um the idea of like homeschooling essentialism is to, you know, find what works for you and your family and really find ways too to just, um, you know, stop comparing because that's going to take you away from your path, um, you know, to stop getting distracted by all the bright and shiny new things. Um, some bright and shiny is really good. And I talk about um, that there's a way to sort of keep track of things as you come across them and, um, you know, if it's something that continues to spark something in you, you know, that's one thing, but, you know, sometimes you'll see something online where it's like, you know, oh, let's mummify a chicken. And then it's like, it keeps falling <laughs> to the bottom of your list. Cause you're like, I don't, I don't want to touch a chicken. Like, I don't really want a salmonella. I don't know. You know? And so those things fall off your list, you know, even though they sounded like a good idea at the time, but that's why it's important that to sort of like jump at every you know, single thing that comes along, you have to, sort yeah. of, um, you know, if you can zero in a little bit, it brings a lot more peace. Um, cause I think that's so important for, um, for, for moms really, I mean, or well, parents, homeschool parents, I should say, but, um, the parent who's homeschooling like to, um, be able to find your own, like mental peace with things, because really you dictate so much of, 
the environment around you, you know, as the one who's sort of, you set the tone. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I actually thought it was hilarious in your book when you said um, a $10 chicken, that's something that I'm going to eat. That's not something I'm going to mummify. I actually raised chickens last year. I raised 20 chickens and 11 actually made it into my freezer. And needless to say, my husband is literally going vegetarian now. And all the other one, or my three kids that are at home, they don't want to eat the chickens that we raise. They're probably better off than any chicken you can find in the store. But I can guarantee you, yeah. I am not mummifying them. No. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and that's the thing. We all have to draw the line somewhere, right? Like, like that's a line for you. You just go, nope, I'm not going to mummify a chicken. Like there was this wonderful woman in one of our co-ops that did this body systems class. And she brought in chicken parts and beef bones and everything else. And at one point, I ball and I was just like, bless you, Julie, because um, <laughs> that would never happen at my kitchen table, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I mean, we have so many options nowadays. I think either I have been doing this long enough that I genuinely don't care anymore what everybody else is doing because I have spent so much money. I am into this 15 years and I'm still using stuff that I didn't, I didn't use for 15 years. And so when I go to, I'm mostly homeschooling my youngest right now, who's 12. My oldest is graduated. She's in university. My second is about to graduate, just like your son. And he is, she's so independent and she's so academic that this is super easy. I don't even think of homeschooling her. She asked me yesterday if we wanted to do trig together. And I'm like, no, (laughs) no, I don't. (laughs) sorry give you some independence with that one (laughs) exactly I try not saying I definitely don't do trigonometry but right she already knows and then my third daughter is actually in public school for the first year this year and then my youngest is 12 and he's the only one that needs some more hands-on stuff but the truth is he's the most academic and best reader out of everybody and he blows all the other kids out of the water so I don't really need to spend a ton of time with him but if I'm going to buy something I am not buying it unless he said yes I absolutely want to do this because if I don't hear that a resounding yes it will not be a yes later and even if it's a resounding yes it will not necessarily be a resounding yes in a month anyhow I love that though because like you have so you've like cracked the code for your family you know what I mean but it it takes time yeah and I think that's what's so hard for like the newish homeschooling parents to yeah. realize that like you didn't just figure that out like the minute your kids were born and go oh okay this one's gonna need this this one's gonna need this this one's gonna go to public school this one's gonna need you know no it takes time and yeah. uh, but then once you've had some time it is so freeing to be like this is what we're doing for math and just be able to stick with it but yeah. you have to figure out what works first and so um. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does. And then you, you do get to a point where you're like, I don't, I don't want to get distracted by what everybody else is doing, even though it's really pretty and like all their entire Instagram is the exact same color. Yeah. Every single square. Yeah. And how do they well, do I that? Have, and... that now. Yeah. <laughs> have you? Yeah. I have. Yeah. Um, In the last few weeks, my goddaughter actually did a huge redesign of all my stuff. And I'm like, cool. Awesome. Great. I'm glad you were born for so many reasons, but (laughs) she's got an amazing artistic gift. But, you know, I feel like it has more to do with my confidence inside myself, the more, more of the growth about who I am that I just say, you know, I just don't care about these gaps that people talk about. And I'm not talking about, oh, the yeah. store, but I don't care anymore because there's going to be gaps everywhere. Like I'm not trying to produce a child that can compete with God or Google. I'm actually right. just trying to <laughs> encourage them to become who they were meant to be. And um, I have the best chance of advocating for that. I have the best chance of seeing what they need even the most caring, kind teacher doesn't care about my kid the way that I care about them. And even still, 
even at a certain point, I realize it's no longer my job to care about or to really um, take the reins of what they're supposed to do or how they're supposed to develop. That becomes theirs. And then I have to let go as well of, and let them do their own exploration. And, uh, you know, this idea of what are you going to do for the rest of your life at 17 or 18? I don't know if your son is hearing that. Right. But I'm like, yeah. That is the most absurd question, because at 47, I'm still like, what will I do next year? We'll see. Right. Yeah. And what we're doing right now didn't even exist when we were graduating from high school. So right. how would we have been able to say like, well, we're going to be podcasters. Yeah. And people would have been like, okay, you're from the future or from yeah. space. What is happening? And like, that doesn't make sense. That's not a thing, you know? Um, yeah. So you, you really can't, and you're not, you're not programming robots. You're raising your sweet, precious children who are each not always sweet and precious. And, <laughs> that's what well, that's a good point too. Yeah, um, I like your little, I like your way of framing it. A little spicy. Um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you know, and it's really not like. I mean, how much do you want to try to manipulate and control things too? You know, like it's really not up to you. They are who they are, and really, your job is to help like bring that forward and just give yeah. them the resources that you know. So. Yeah, it might be easier to program robots. I'm not sure because, you know, parenting is is no joke, but um No, it isn't. Well, I mean, truth I'm not good at the sciences. So <laughs> I'm not so good at the sciences. I don't think I could program not. robots. So I'm going to I'm going to be a mom instead. <laughs> right. I really love actually hearing about your background that you did a degree in journalism and then you worked yeah. as a newspaper editor and Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. yeah that's a cool Yes. Background. Yeah. Oh, I loved, I loved it. I loved my job so much. I mean, it was like just a few dream years of being able to do that. And then the minute I got pregnant, I was like, nope, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I just decided, <laughs> like, um, you know, this has been awesome and amazing, but like, there is no way that this life is compatible with being a parent. Um, yeah. it, maybe it would have been if my husband didn't also work in mm-hmm like you know media where it's like if there's a fire you go to it you know and and that's just how it goes and yeah you have kids in daycare but like that's an expectation so two jobs like that it just wasn't it wasn't gonna happen so yeah um, I feel excited. I'm gonna stay home and I'm gonna just freelance for a while and then somehow that turned into what I do now so <laughs> You know, speaking very of meandering fire. road, speaking of futures, <laughs> yeah. you know what, speaking of fire, you actually talk about by November, you burned out. Mm-hmm. You said you burn out, but you caught on fire and you're in an ash pile by November. I wonder yeah. if that's applicable to other homeschool moms where they experience that they go full in full on, they do everything. And then they realize I'm exhausted. I definitely was that person, but it took me three years, yeah. three years of Susan Wise Bauer and a sunlight history curriculum that I followed to the T. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, first of all, that was an awesome segue going from the fire to the burning out that that's <laughs> impressive. Um, and second of all, <laughs> yeah, um, that's, exactly what happened was I just like went all in to the point that I was like this isn't sustainable like yeah there's no way I can keep doing and that's really what it I think comes down to is like keeping it sustainable for the long term because it's a marathon it's not a sprint you know you can't just be like yeah I made it through this week I'm done no like you've got weeks and weeks and months and months and years assuming that you want to stick with homeschooling um so you can't you can't run it like you would a sprint you know um you have to run it like you would a marathon you have to stop and you have to take breaks and you have to refuel and you have to um you know sometimes just like stop for a minute and just take a deep breath you know and um so that's yeah that's my (laughs) my story of when we put my son back in a different preschool for a few months while I figured out I can't do all the things I have to figure out you know um how to make this manageable when I have I also have a one-year-old you know and Mm -hmm. um and she needs naps and you know um sometimes we would be like in the middle of you know, reading a book together and she was still nursing and, you know, I mean, things were happening. So it's like when you combine school with home, home kind of has to be the the main 
priority, I think, um, even though we all desperately want to make sure that our kids are getting a good education. The most yeah. important thing is to just be, be mom and be, you know, that's like the number one role teaching is lower on the list for me. You know, I think it's a misnomer, actually, the homeschool world, or sorry, word, the homeschool word is just giving the wrong impression of what we're really doing. Now, having said that, I know that some people really are doing the full on homeschooling thing. And, you know, all the best to them. I generally think everybody doing their thing, as long as they're happy doing it, and it's working for them, then you go, girl. But on the yeah. other hand, um, the homeschool idea of this has to become a school, I think it's a misnomer. I think that our goal is to create an education for very specific children that have never graced the planet before. And so we're, our goal is to actually focus an education for them specifically. And so the idea of bringing the school in the home, I just, you know, obviously that's revealing where my philosophy is in general. Um, but I think that yeah. it's not useful sometimes, especially for newer people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It puts a lot of pressure on you to think you have to recreate this thing that was never meant to be recreated with like two kids who, you know, um, some days are fighting over like a cookie, you know, (laughs) and (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's, it's a whole different, a whole different thing, um, really. And like you said, maybe homeschooling isn't the word for it anymore, but, um, it is for yeah. SEO. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So yes. apparently it is still, but yeah. Yeah. You know, you write about um, essentialism and I've read that book. I have that book on my homeschool mama reading list. And it was so interesting for me to see you um, discuss her or him and also Brené Brown in your book, because those are mm-hmm. two that I constantly um, sharing with people. And it's funny because they don't actually speak, speak to homeschooling specifically at all. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's weird. Like this morning I was reading, um, letters to a young poet by Rainer Maria Wilkie. And I saw a part and I marked it. I put a little flag in there and I was like, education exclamation point. And I thought there's like a blog post there somewhere hearing his perspective on education you know in the like late 1800s in Germany but still like it's it's really you can when it becomes kind of like your vocation um to homeschool your kids it's it's interesting the things that speak to you kind of in different ways you know and essentialism it was like I loved that book for so many reasons but then there was a part of it that just hit me as um I think he actually said something in there about what if instead of doing school kind of like the way we do, we looked at ways to um, use this to like enhance our community and stuff like that. And then it led me to think about how we spent a whole year volunteering um, at a cat shelter. And I went back and forth in my mind about it for a really long time, wondering if it was okay that one day a week we were missing school you know to volunteer yeah and then later realizing the things that came out of that volunteer experience and how they it was a complete it was such an education but you know again not not necessarily the kind I mean if I really wanted to I could have been like okay we had to count out you know the cats and make sure that we had you know the food inventory and okay I guess that's math you know I guess you could do that but like why instead we just had this wonderful experience together that I think helps help you know my kids learn you know other things that aren't even in um, a regular curriculum you know compassion and empathy and working together and um, how to fill out a job application, you know, we had to apply. <laughs> there were a lot of things that they, they learned, you know, from that experience. And yet I went back and forth about it so much. Like, is, is this bad? Am I doing it wrong? Like if, if, you know, the homeschool police show up right now, are they going to be like, why are you at a cat shelter? <laughs> well, I couldn't work in a cat shelter myself. My oldest daughter did live in a cat hotel and worked in a cat hotel. Yes, they exist. <laughs> 
okay, yes, where where is this? And yeah, when can I West go Coast, there? And... Um, yeah, so they're all over the place. Okay. I, I think of them as wow. really impressive places for people that are wealthy with cats. But, um, I, you know, you could do math. You could say, now, if all the cats in the cat shelter got pregnant at the same time, and you right. multiply that, <laughs> yeah, you could do that. But, yeah. you know, I think there's a real value as homeschool parents, if we could look at the things that our kids do are their learning opportunities or their educational experiences and actually try to understand what are you doing? Like you said, it's not always a clean cut thing. Um, maybe you could do the history of a cat. Of, can't think of the word, a breed of a cat, you know, maybe you could do things like that, but you don't have to because the mere act of volunteering and setting aside your time and going to do something like that, that in itself is um, you know, appreciating that you do things outside of yourself. And I think that has value in yeah. itself. Well, that, that reminds me a lot of when um, sometimes moms will contact me and say, you know, I'm nine months pregnant. I have a baby coming. What am I supposed to do for the next, you know, six, eight weeks, two months, three months, four months. And I, I think that that's exactly it is that really, um, you know, there will be so many lessons in just having, just adding a baby to the family, you oh, know, yeah. and yeah, you could absolutely read books about, you know, um, different families growing and um, you could read books about, you know, how babies grow. And uh, there's a lot of things that you could do, you know, how many diapers did the baby have today? But, but why, why take yourself out of that amazing experience of just, you know, being, a family that, I mean, not to mention that you're all, your kids are all going to be going through this transition. Like, um, you know, you were talking about brain science earlier and things like that. Like how much really sticks when everybody's sort of like overtired and a little confused, you know? (laughs) So maybe this is a time to just snuggle together a lot and listen to audiobooks and let that be, you know, plenty. Yeah. Smell your baby's head. That's the only thing oh, that no. I genuinely miss from babies is the smell. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, sweet babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very special time, but I don't know if you were like me at that time. I very much wanted to do all the things and make sure that everything was covered. Like the house was clean and the food was prepped and you know, I, I still have a book called Before You Were Born about child development and I read that as I was pregnant, day 10, the baby's heart is beating, you know, and I would do all those things. And I felt this pressure of like, I have to do it all. And funny enough, now my kids are mostly independent and capable of doing all the things. And I'm like, the house is a mess. And I'm totally good with it. <laughs> Fine now. I know. I, oh, like, when are they going to create time machines so we can like go back and whisper to ourselves? Like, yeah. Hey it's okay. Stop the fight. Stop the struggle. Stop like, you know, let it, let it just go and you're, and it still will be okay. You know, I, yeah. um, Yeah. Just be present. You know, that's like uh, the one thing that if I could go back and kind of, even when my kids were babies way before homeschooling, you know, if I could just say like to myself, just, you don't have to try so hard you know, yeah. it's going to be okay. But that's, that's the gift of, you know, of hindsight. And yeah, there's just, there's a, <laughs> because time machines don't exist yet. There's, there's nothing we can do about that. And so I hear grandchildren are actually the next best option because the idea of having another child right now, uh, no, I'm no, <laughs> no. one of my girls said it would be so fun if we did I'm like listen this is not like breeding our great Pyrenees this is not like getting goats which we're doing (laughs) next week I am not doing that so you will have to do that which is an absolute shock to my children when I say something you go get pregnant teenage daughter because I am not (laughs) and I really don't mean that if you know me (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah you're getting goats though I am in the next week, actually, that was something unconventional that I think, um, again, is like this learning opportunity. My husband, who is a physician and does not do 
building of sorts of any sort. And my 12 year old put together a goat barn and it's just the loveliest oh, barn. Wow. And that was like shop class for a couple of months. Yeah. And that's learning, yeah. even though you would never find totally. build goat barn on anybody's curriculum in any province. <laughs> <or state. laughs> that's so funny though. Cause you're right. There are so many um, homeschoolers that are also drawn toward like homesteading and stuff. It's only a matter of time. Somebody is going to make that curriculum. It's only a matter of time. It's such a cliche, but actually I don't really fit that cliche. I come from the suburbs. I didn't like weeding. I like, I watched too much TV. I never read a book. I'm not a classic homeschool mom that was waiting to grow up. Um, I just, I don't know. I kind of fell in love with the essentialism actually of the simplicity of it all and I really enjoyed it but you actually had a background too where you were doing things like that before your kids were born yeah yeah we we lived on a little they called it a farmette um when I was pregnant with my son we lived on a little like three and a quarter acre plot of land and we had like this huge garden we had asparagus and it was so funny people would drive by and they would steal all all of our asparagus and at the time you know it was really annoying because it was like you're you're literally like stealing my food like would you come in my house and go through my refrigerator (laughs) no like get out of my yard um and then yeah but the thing was once um once my son was born things just you know shifted I didn't have as much time for any of that anymore and then um once they got a little bit older we moved to a place where we had a giant garden again and we had chickens and that was wonderful and then things shifted again and then you know um so yeah it's um and I definitely when they were really little like went through a stage of like everything was homemade and everything was baked and everything was great and you know again looking back it's like some of that was really wonderful and some of that was really stressful you know and like I didn't need to put quite that much pressure on myself like it's okay to buy bread you know yeah (laughs) hundred percent. You do not need to be a home yeah. in homeschool. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. You said, don't let your definition of success be defined by somebody else, because in the end, this is your story to write with your kids. I thought that was such a beautiful piece of advice to homeschool parents and really right across the spectrum if they're new or if they've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you. Um, my son actually said something one day about like, yeah, being careful about who defines um, success for you. And I just thought, wow, yeah, that is, that is so true because, um, you know, you were talking earlier, even about like, you know, different siblings in the same family, yeah. you know, have these different experiences. And so for them, when they grow up, it, success is going to look different and you know, to a lot of people, I'm sure in my little house with my little, you know, book and my little writing and my, you know, my little family, like it would just sort of be like, yeah, whatever. But, um, I'm, I feel so lucky, you know? Um, and so I think it's, it's, and that, that's part of, um, that gift of being able to slow down too. And, try to live a, a life you know that like he talks about in essentialism where it's like you're not sort of constantly distracted and everything like that you just um you can just stop and realize like you know out of all the people on the planet I get to live my life with these three um you know one dog three cats and I'm just really lucky mm. And that's a really wonderful way to experience, I think, this last year or to, to frame it because this last year you spent a whole lot of time with those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, it got a little scary there. I don't know if you noticed that. People <laughs> were getting divorced and like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And I Everybody's think a lot of parents were getting really desperate and um, yeah, it, it's, it's wonderful to sort of be able to like, um, get outside again a little bit more and start planning things um but still I um you know I thought about taking a a trip and I'm like I really want to take a trip with my family so I I think I'm good but (laughs) but I get it it's been stressful I get it um and that doesn't mean that there weren't days when I was totally like uh I'm gonna take a nap you know and I'm closing the door and it's just like "Mm." um because again like mama self-care and wow. I'm an introvert. And so that means sometimes you need to be like, like 
I'm invisible, everybody. <laughs> you know, I actually, you said you're an hours. INFJ and I'm an INFJ. Mm-hmm. I'm an Enneagram type two. Do you know what you are? Mm-hmm. I'm a nine. Okay. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I'm an Enneagram nine. Um, and it's so funny because I've run into all these INFJs who write and, you know, do things online and it's supposed to be the rarest, you know, but yet we're all over the place. We're all writing online about stuff. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, totally. I have found that a really effective tool to, to be able to understand my family members a little bit better. So I'm married to an INTJ. So very heady. So on that angle, we can really connect with each other. In fact, I'm going to interview him for Father's Day, which will be really interesting. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, but he's, he's very, he thinks very differently from me as does all my children, really. I think maybe I have one that is an Enneagram type nine as well. And she is by far my easiest kiddo to parent. Yeah. Yeah. We come across pretty laid back, but inside we're like, yes. Yeah. But you know, it's harder than the rest of us. That's what it is. (laughs) Just know how to be diplomatic at the same time. I just, th- yeah, but the, the thing is, it's like so many, it's all the options. So maybe that's why I'm so drawn to essentialism because Enneagram yeah. can be all the options. So I think maybe it's like, it's easier on my brain to go, nope, we're going straight ahead. Um, but it's funny, you said your husband's an INTJ, right? So yeah. you guys are one letter off, but it's like, it's completely different, right? It's very and different. I think about that with like everything from, you know, mom self-care, like what you actually need it could be so different than like your sister or your mom or your best friend or your husband, you know, um, homeschooling, like how homeschooling is going to work for you. It yeah. could be completely different based on um, your personality or your kids' personalities. I mean, it's, we're, we're all really different, see the world really differently. So um, yeah. Yeah, it can be, uh, <laughs> again, another reason not to compare, right? Because maybe your mom's an INTJ and you're an INFJ and she's like, yeah, and that's why the house is always picked up. And you're like, why didn't I not, <laughs> why couldn't I have gotten this, you know? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I, I think it's really useful to understand people. But the the thing we were talking about, Brene Brown, you, you spoke about her. But for me, I had actually a moment in my burnout days when I came to that. I think it was the third year in February or January. And I was done. I was like, where is the yellow bus? Like I saw the yellow bus and I'm like, help me. And, you know, how do I get my kids on that bus? And I didn't really want that. But I did want that because I was so done. And it was at that moment that I, I think I spoke to my Enneagram type nine friend who said to me, check out um, a Brené Brown TEDx talk. And so I, I watched her and I don't know what it was she said exactly, but it just really struck me that I wasn't being authentic and I wasn't really tapping in to who I really was. I was addressing all the needs around me as a type two does. And I wasn't really paying attention to what I needed. And until I could accept that I had to be authentic, no matter what, that was when I started recognizing I have to address my own needs because I can't keep doing this. If I, and frankly, it wasn't just homeschooling. I'm just like, okay, I need to not have children. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's a really good point because I mean, um, she does talk a lot about authenticity and um, you, you've got my mind going now because I'm thinking you know that's totally what it is yeah with when we're we're trying to follow a method that isn't for us or we're trying to child, yeah. Um, yeah keep up with you know somebody else's expectations whether it's like the book or you know um, somebody else in our world or whatever yeah, that's what it is. It's like, if it's not authentic, you're just, you're not going to feel, it's never going to feel right. Um, wow. That's, that's a really good suggestion that your friend had to have you pick up that book. And like you said, not a homeschooling book at all. No, um, no. But sometimes I think that's what we need. We, we don't need another person telling us like how to homeschool. We need maybe some way to reset ourselves or yeah, exactly um, you know a book that maybe addresses a certain thing with you know something that's going on um outside of homeschooling even because we're not just homeschoolers we're spouses and parents and daughters and sisters and you know um yeah the stronger that we become in ourselves and we are really clear on who we are and what we're about 
and fearless about it, then it undergirds, just like you said at the beginning, that it, it just completely impacts the atmosphere of our homeschool. And having said that, I have said this so many times to different people that there is not going to come a time when you figure this all out and you're not going to have it all addressed and you're not going to always make sure you never do things that aren't right with your kids. You will. And no matter what, they will find a way to say, wait, you missed something that will happen. And this is like you growing alongside them, hopefully a little bit ahead of them. But but hopefully, because some of us don't always have that option either, but we're all growing up. And I think we, these children were placed in our lives for us to learn from. And we're learning, you know, they're learning from us as well. It's pretty, it's kind of cool, actually. If you don't get into the muck yeah. of whatever the challenge is in the moment, it's kind of a neat experience <laughs> to see it. Because you get a whole lot more learning opportunities as a homeschool mom when you are homeschooling kids. You just do. Yes. Yeah, we um, just started the history, is it called A History of Us or The History of Us, the Joy Hakim, H-A-K-I-M, I think. Um, anyway, she has a series of uh, American history books and we just started it. And <laughs> my daughter and I were like, what? Like some of the things just, you know, blow your mind. Like um, that, and, you know, speaking of gaps, like, oh my gosh, I'm realizing I have huge gaps in my education yeah. absolutely grand canyon size gaps in my education and i'm still here and everything's still okay and yeah i'm not living you know um like in a you know i, I i'm fine so <laughs> so yeah uh, um i think you know a lot of it is just about like you said like learning together and then um wow i mean like the bond that that creates and yeah, yeah just not not worrying so much about like because of course you're gonna miss things of course yeah and as parents of course we're gonna get things wrong and yeah. um wish we'd done things differently but I mean at least homeschooling um gives us some extra time you yeah, know to be, um yeah so you know you screw it up in the morning and then you go in your room and you have some chocolate and you breathe and then you come back out and you say, I'm sorry. And you begin again. And you just do that till they're ready for college. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's about all you can do. I mean, that's like the best homeschooling advice I think I could give as somebody who has a kid who somehow like, I mean, you know, it went so fast, so fast, but yeah, the days are, the yeah. days are long and the years are short, right? Yeah. It's cliche, but true. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, that was such I a good bit of advice. Is there any other advice that you'd like to leave with homeschool moms? I think that one is a beautiful one. You know, I, I, I'm going to find something really quick. My friend, Jessica, um, the Waldock wife, you know, Jessica, she just asked me um, to write a little something for her, a little blurb. And so I'm, if it's okay, I'm going to read that really quick. Yeah. Um, I wrote, start slow and gently layer more in as you build confidence and your kids get used to the routine of homeschooling. It's important to not get caught up in choosing a certain methodology or style of homeschooling. It's great to research, pick things that work for your family, and then sort of build your own style based on experience and trial and error. I feel like we've talked about that a lot <laughs> um, uh, today. Um, we all go through lots of trial and error. Don't worry. It's normal as you find your way. Finally, on the hard days, don't doubt yourself or your kids. Know that combining school and home has its challenges, and some days will just be a bit bumpy. Yeah. On those days, curl up with snacks and good books, or hop in the car and listen to an audiobook while you go get ice cream or a treat. Remember, homeschooling is a marathon, not a sprint, and you too are learning every day. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. No, I would share, gladly share my M&Ms with you too. I was so amused that you're also, <laughs> I'm a peanut M&M girl. Do you like peanut or chocolate? Um, I like, my favorite is peanut butter, um, but the peanut butter M&Ms. You know what though? You're in Canada. Do they have the same, do we have the same flavors of M&Ms? I, no, I actually am. You guys have butter Kit Kats. You guys okay. have amazing chocolate bars. Also, I try not to eat chocolate bars, <laughs> but I will eat lint, <laughs> sea salt, dark chocolate, and too many ounces every yeah. night. Yes, but I'm all yes. about that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've heard that you guys have way better Kit Kats. I need to try your Kit Kats. Um, and my favorite are peanut, yeah, the peanut butter M&Ms. But I've not even I'm had really that. Curious. I didn't know that existed. Yeah. Y'all have so wow. many. Did you catch that? I said y'all. So I'm all the way <laughs> north here and I still, I'm still doing that. <laughs> yeah. So, so to close our interview, I usually ask three quick questions about you just to get a little sense of who you are outside of a little bit different perspective. Uh, about who you and your family are so what have you learned alongside your kids this week or a memory that you've created together oh um we uh do history unboxed have you guys ever done history unboxed um they have the best hands-on things and even um they so they have one box for like younger kids and then they have a 10 to 15 box and, you know, you kind of worry sometimes, like, when your kids get to be, like, 14, 15, are they going to be, like, oh, um, I don't want to do a project or whatever. Um, yeah, the time, we've they been will. doing American history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we, um, we, so I've been pairing, um, trying to pair the History Unboxed boxes with this um, Joy, I think it's Hakeem, you say it, um, series. And so we were doing one about um, the um, Native Americans, uh planting of corn squash and beans together sister planting because they uh grow better when planted I think it's called companion gardening right is that a thing okay yeah so they grow better right and so we have these little cups on our shelf right now on our mantle and the corn is like growing bananas because it's corn you know and um it's just so funny because every day even at 14 my daughter runs down and she checks on it to make sure they have water you know and it's just it's really sweet like I don't know how long that kind of stuff is going to last but yeah Yeah. it's really really fun when that kind of stuff still works Mm -hmm. it doesn't always work I don't want to like give parents false hope that like every project your kids are going to be like oh my goodness so excited that's not true um so maybe that's why I'm extra excited that this one is That is a really interesting way to grow corn because I know that's got very (laughs) deep roots and it seriously needs a lot of sun, but that'll be very easy to pull it out. Like when I pull corn out of the ground, that is a day's event. That's a lot of exercise, but yeah, that'll be really interesting to see if you get a cob of corn. Well, at some point we're we're going to have to move it because the cups are tiny, but it was fun to at least start them indoors, but yeah, we're going to have yeah. to, we're going to have to move it. And I'm thinking now we're going to have like one stock of corn, like five beans and you know, like we got the point, we got the point of the lesson and the yes. history of the three sisters. Awesome. So it's okay. <laughs> so tell me what's on your bookshelf these days. Okay. So I, I just finished the um, letters to a young poet by uh, Rainer Maria Roki. Um, I'm reading the lovely war again. Um, that's by Julie Berry. Um, that's the upcoming Realog Revival Mama Book Club. So I'm rereading that. And then um, I just started this book by the guy who wrote The Martian. Um, it's called Project Hail Mary. And it's really, really good. And I already can't wait to hand it to my son. Um, Interesting. When I read The Martian, uh, I, I gave it to my son right away. And then as soon as my daughter was a little older, because The Martian, I, I mean, this is something don't hand it to your kids without reading it first. Okay. <laughs> um, the Martian has a lot of language in it. Um, oh. But I not actually put that me. aside. Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually put that aside for this one. Cause I was like, I know he's going to love it. And he absolutely did. And then when my daughter got a little older, I gave it to her. Um, but it's funny because this one does not have the language in it um, because it's written. Um, the protagonist is a middle school science teacher. So it's really funny because he actually asks himself at one point because he's lost his memory. Why, why don't I swear, you know, because <laughs> he's trying to figure everything out and, and put it together. Um, so this one does not have the language, but it's still the same. It's the same kind of idea of um, a one man mission and he's got to save the world too. So, well, I guess in the Martian, he didn't have to save the world. He just had to get back home. Just like save himself. Yeah. But unputdownable. Beautiful. 
I'll have to check that one out. I actually noticed that your book is not on Goodreads because as soon as I finished it, I'm like, I'm adding that I read it because I am one of those oh, moms that's always reading. Yeah. So I'd love to see that. Yeah. But for everybody that isn't familiar with your book, would you tell us where we can find it and when we can find it online? Sure. Well, right now, um, it was originally available in a PDF format. And um, uh, a couple months ago, I took that down um, because it's going to be out uh, um, in paperback um, and in a Kindle version on Amazon very soon. But um, I've had some health stuff going on this year. So everything sort of got a little bit thrown off. Um, so I'm going to say that um, by the end of June, I think it will be available on Amazon. Could be much sooner than that, but there's lots of little things. Apparently the spine, the text on the spine is like a tiny bit too big. So they have to fix that. And then I have to approve that. So it's a whole thing. <laughs> it is such an encouraging book. And it just is a straight talk kind of book that makes me feel like um, the stand-up state, uh, Kate McKinnon from SNL. It makes me feel <laughs> like she went homeschooling and she's cheerleading you on. She's both funny and she's like, oh. you can do it. I love it. Thank you. That is a lovely comparison. Thank you. I would love to be Kate McKinnon. <laughs> you know, funny enough, She's so much fun. right now, everybody can't see you, but you look like Kate Winslet with a Kate McKinnon ad. Oh. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you. That's so, yeah. that's so nice. Thank you. So where can we find you online? I am at karasanderson.com and I'm over on Instagram at, at karastevensonanderson. It has been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Oh, you too. I'm so glad we got a chance to do this. This has been wonderful. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Bye. And thank you for joining me today. I would love to learn more about who you are. So come on over to our Facebook group, the Homeschool Mama Support Group, or the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Instagram page, so we can support and encourage each other in our homeschool challenges. While you're there, you can check out the book of Homeschool Encouragement, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Nurturing the Nurturer. If you're a homeschool mama looking for extra support, ask me about the Homeschool Mama Retreat. Until next time, I hope you and your kids have a charmed week. And if you're having one of those days, I hope you can reframe your challenges into your homeschool charms.